when he entered the military, he wanted to change his name um, because really? because it was German, and he didn't want to get flack from from his fellow soldiers. He didn't he didn't want to get you know like singled out or or looked down upon or you know take the chance wow. that maybe they wouldn't take a bullet for him or you know like. He he yeah, want right. and, and they right. said no way you're not changing your name so uh, yeah it was uh, he was he was one of a kind man he was a he still had his wit even back in October he was there with Bobby Orr at TD Garden when they were celebrating the 50th anniversary of Orr's first game and uh, he was cracking jokes uh, with the media and Bobby so um, yeah sad day and you know I I was in Montreal when Bellevue passed and I, I kind of liken it to that right now uh, and there'll be a lot of stories obviously about him. Uh, around the game against the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow. But let's talk about that game and the Edmonton Oilers, who, uh, being based up in Alberta, you are familiar with. Uh, obviously, everyone's going to want to talk about Connor McDavid. And I got to ask you, Mark, um, you were around when Wayne Gretzky came into the league, and you obviously have been around when McDavid came in. Uh, just your comparing and contrasting there, on what the first few years have been like uh, compared to Gretzky and just the impact uh, that both both young players had on that city? Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, Wayne Gretzky was... They, they got Wayne Gretzky to WHA, so whereas you the minute they won the lottery, they knew they were going to draft McDavid, and then people in Edmonton started to look around and go, hmm, this McDavid guy, everyone says he's good. Uh, how good is he? Whereas Gretzky played here at Edmonton, and then when people may or may not recall, when they went into the World Hockey Association, uh, the only the the or when they went into the NHL, the four World Hockey Association teams, of which one was the Hartford Whalers, was only allowed to keep two players. So the mm-hmm. Edmonton Oilers kept Gretzky, but the NHL tried to change the rules and get Gretzky. So. You know, we got a McDavid landed in Edmonton's lap, whereas Gretzky seemed like he was ours right away, and we were trying to keep him away from the clutches of those evil National Hockey League owners back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Just talk about what you know when they when you first start. You already knew, I guess, with Gretzky, but I mean, when you first start to see, you hear about it, you get the stories, you talk to scouts, you talk to those who have seen these kids play. But when you first see them play, and you witness that pure raw skill uh, and the way each could command a game at such a young age. What what was that like for you? Well, you know, I mean, they're completely different guys. Gretzky was better than everyone else in the league with his hockey sense and vision and, and ability to make space for himself. Uh, Connor McDavid's right up there, but the thing that Connor McDavid, that, that I've never seen a first-year player or a second-year player, the thing that he is better than everyone else in the National Hockey League at is he is the fastest skater. And the combination of his ability to skate faster than everyone. Name me your fastest guy on your team. This guy's faster, okay? And he can also carry the puck at that speed. Now, we've all watched lots of fast players over the many years who could skate like heck, but their hands could never keep up. Well, this kid, the hands and the head keep up with the feet. And... I've been asking veteran guys around the league all season long what they think, and every one of them tells me that pretty much the same thing. The combination of being the fastest guy on the ice for sure and the ability to operate that fast and still make the right play with a puck, his head keeps up, his hands keep up, his feet are faster, that 
right now is what's separating Connor McDavid from the rest of the National Hockey League. I'm not saying he's the best player in the league, Murph. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying he's the fastest player with a puck in the league. There's no question. That's uh, Yeah, and you know what? I, it's a great segue there because I wanted to ask you about a player that our our listeners are familiar with, uh, former Boston Bruin Milan Lucic, and, and how he's done uh, playing with Connor. And, you know, Milan, Milan uh, by the way, for those – here in Boston, a lot of people said he was slow and he, you know, he couldn't keep up. He, you know what? When Milan gets going, I always found him like when he really de- was determined to move his legs and skate hard. He he could go, he could go, but you know, obviously not going to be as fast as the likes of McDavid. But how has he sort of handled the speed and the hockey sense of McDavid when he's been on a line with him? Well, it's in and out, you know, in and out. I would not say that he's mastered the role yet by any stretch. In fact, he got replaced on left wing by Patrick Maroon the other night for the first time in some time. Uh, here's what we know about McDavid, what we're all figuring out. Because of his speed, he goes, he can go wide on defensemen where most guys don't. Okay, so what ends up happening is he gets pucks into the blue paint more than most players. He, he creates... If not a full grade-A chance, he creates a half a chance, and he gets the puck in there and in a troublesome way. Milan Lucic is not going to get there as fast as Conor McDavid. We, all, we know that. Mm-hmm. But what Milan Lucic has figured out here is if he arrives on the scene after that puck has you know, been entered the blue paint and is banging around, there's a lot of garbage goals. There's a lot of close-in, tight goals from the blue paint when you're playing with Conor McDavid. Any- when, when when Lucic is, is skating and catching up to that play, there's a lot of garbage lying around, and he's the perfect guy for it. Exactly. He's body position. Nobody can push him out of the way. He wins the physical battle. He's really strong in the stick. So he's a great compliment for McDavid, but you got to bring it every night. You're going to catch up to this kid. you got to bring it every single night, and Lucic is still figuring that out here. Yeah, for sure. And let me ask you, in terms of obviously – Milan loved it here in Boston, and uh, you know it definitely took him by surprise when he was dealt away to the Kings prior to the 2015 draft. He goes to LA. He, he's an impending free agent. He has one year there. He does pretty well, but you know there was always that uncertainty hanging over where he'd be. Now that he knows where he is, is there a sense when you talk to him, um, even if he is struggling uh, to find his game at times, like you said, bring it every night? Is there a sense that that? That security of knowing, hey, I'm going to be here for a while, is that helping him now? Yeah, and, you know, he was – there's no question that it is, Murph. There's, he's, he's settled in. He's a way – you know, he's way smarter and a better interview than I recall because, frankly, being in the Eastern Conference, I only spoke to him sporadically a couple times a year. Right. He's a thoughtful, smart guy. You know this because yeah. you guys talk to him all the time. Uh, but I think one of the things that maybe people aren't – as acutely aware of, he was brought to Edmonton partially because Edmonton and the Edmonton dressing room had no clue how to win. They had no clue what it took mm-hmm. to have to have game, right? To have, uh, they were a small team that got pushed around all the time. They were weak mentally. Uh, they got they they lost games because they didn't have any will. They had no clue how to win. That's why they had made the playoffs for ten years. So Milan Lucic. You know, you might look at his stats and say, oh, you know, he should have more points, and that's fair. But he's really bringing a sense of, you know, this is what it takes to be a good team. 
this is how we handle ourselves when when we get pushed around. There's a time to fight. There's a time to hit back. There's a time to go after their star. There's a time to just skate right through them. And to me, what Lucic is bringing that, that maybe you know the fans are seeing and you don't see on the NHL.com, all of that stuff has lacked so dearly here in Edmonton, Murph. It's been I, mean, I watched this team get pushed around for 10 years, and frankly, at times it made me, I thought, Mom, you, you guys have the Bruins, the big bad Bruins. Whatever the opposite of that is, that's what they had here. And yeah. Lucic is helping change that. Yeah, I'll tell you what, that that's exactly what that dressing room is missing right now in Boston. And, you know, people can say exactly what you said. Oh, he didn't bring it out. He was inconsistent on the But he definitely brought that. And I agree with you that Edmonton's a team that can definitely benefit off that. For our listeners that aren't too familiar with what's been going on with the Oilers the last few years and how they've tried to find that winning feeling or, or bring in guys like that, who are some of the other uh, players that are looked to as leaders in that dressing room right now? Well, first of all, McDavid's the leader by far because he's the best player. So on the ice, he's the guy you follow. The true, um, the true definition of a leader is a guy that you follow. You follow McDavid because he's your best player. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to, you know, for instance, I'll say this. They got a kid out of St. Louis named Pat Maroon. Uh, he's from St. Louis. He plays for Anaheim, of course. Yeah. And he has become a real smart, you know, he played in a real good team at Anaheim. Yep, and he's become uh, worked his way into the leadership group here quite nicely, actually. Good. Uh, they got a, a, a guy on his way out here. Uh, you guys all know of, of a winger named Matt Hendricks. Yep, Minnesota guy. Uh, he's, you know, the miles on his body are hard ones, and I'm not sure how much is left, but he's still a real leader on this team. And I think one of the biggest things is Murph. They, they've got plenty of size. You know, they've got. They brought in Larson from from New Jersey. He's six foot three. He plays a far meaner game than I ever thought I'd see. A uh, than I knew that he played. I didn't think Larson was that type of player. He yep. plays a real rugged, tough. He'll stick you. I really like him. He's got a little Alfie in him, or what? Yeah. Oh, for sure. He's, he's <laughs> the kind of guy you like. Not that man. our listeners like that here, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. He's all right. Uh, they've got on their fourth line now. They've got size in a guy like Zach Cassian, and he's a little squirrely. You never know what he's going to do, and that's not what bad. a story though, Mark. Eh? On him turning around outside of the game and battling uh, the alcoholism. I mean, a great story on him really finding himself uh, since he's gone to Edmonton, huh? Well, you know, it's about getting guys at the right time in this business, and Cassian rolled through a couple towns, and it was the wrong time for him. Yeah, because he especially had in Montreal, a bad lifestyle, and it didn't work. Montreal for sure. Vancouver didn't work for him. Edmonton gets him, and he's rehabbed, and and he's turned his life around, frankly. And they've got a guy now. No one thinks that Cassian is a first round pick anymore. He's a fourth line right winger. He's a banger. He jumps up to the third or second line once in a while for fun. Uh, and same with Pat Maroon. Pat Maroon had issues with his weight in um, Anaheim, and he's squared up here. He's in shape, and Evan has got him at the right time. So when you get the potential and it actually meets opportunity and the two collide, sometimes you get a good player, right? And based on that, then, how have people uh, taken to Peter Chiarelli, and what do they think of the job he's done? Um. I think people here are quite happy because he's built a team in his second year that at this point looks like it should make the playoffs. So mm-hmm. in in the end, you got to be happy. Look, Pete Chiarelli is like any GM. He's, he's 
I, I saw a story in the local Edmonton Journal here the other day rating every move he's made, and they gave him a 75% grade, and that's probably fair. You know, he's he's brought in, he made that tough Taylor Hall for Adam Larson trade. That was a real, that was a tough trade to make in this town. He did it. He's not afraid uh, to trade uh, top two picks. We know that. Well, he's traded Yakupov number one overall. He's traded yep. Sagan, and he's traded Hall. So, you know, he... <laughs> He made a trade, gave up two real good draft picks for a kid named uh, Griffin Reinhardt. Yep. And Reinhardt can't get, get out of the minors. That trade's not working. No. So, you know, when you when you shoot a lot of bullets, some of them ricochet back at you, Murph. You know that. I know. <laughs> I hear you. But he's all right. He's built a much bigger, much more competitive team. He's still got some, some uh, reciprocal damage from the old GM, some bad contracts. I think Shirelli's doing a fine job here. I do too, and I still think he got a, har- a horrible uh, rep here. I-, I think a lot was blamed on him that wasn't his fault. I could spend a whole show on it, but uh, yeah. I-, I think that, you know what, people, I don't know. Hey, it's pro sports, right? They only remember what you did from an hour ago, not like uh, over the last course of five years. That's how it is. So, um, But listen, as we go in, before we let you go, we go into this game tomorrow with the Boston Bruins. I know the Oilers are coming off a loss to Columbus. Uh, the Bruins coming off a tough loss to New Jersey. Uh, this looks like it could be a, a real good one because both teams need these points, eh? Well, and uh, certainly from Edmonton's point of view, I know Boston shoots a lot and they can't score, and that's got to rectify itself at some point. Yep. Uh, Edmonton had a real failure the uh, last night in Columbus. You know? you know how it is when you go into Columbus and they got this winning streak. Everybody says, okay, this is a great test. We're going to find out where we are. You know the cliches. This is going to teach us a lot about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, they got it handed to them by Columbus, man. <laughs> they weren't even barely in the game. Columbus beat the you-know-what yeah, out of them. There's of something right now, Minute eh? one to minute 60. So I'm not saying Edmonton's a, a top-flight team, and they're not as good as Columbus. But I know for a fact they think they're a lot better than they played last night, and they're sour. They're coming into Boston sour, and I have a feeling – I don't know how good they'll play, but you're going to get about as good as they can play on the Eminent Orders tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this game. And I, as you said, I let, you know it's not just speed anymore there in Edmonton. They've got some size as well, and they can combine the physicality and the speed. So that's huge for them. Listen, Mark, always a pleasure to, to get you on. It's been a while. Uh, you know, We haven't crossed paths in a while. Hopefully we do soon. Uh, I know you've got a, a book out there that was released uh well, we're almost going on two years now, but you, why don't you tell our listeners about it for all the hardcore hockey fans? Well, thanks. It was actually a year ago, last Christmas, the Battle of Alberta. And, uh, you know, I think it's the kind of thing that it, we all knew those teams were good, but I try to tell the story why they're good. And there's a particularly fun story, a chapter about Bob Johnson in there and another one about Reggie Lemelin. Oh, uh, there we go. I learned a lot about Reggie. Uh, writing that book, and he sure was a fun guy to deal with. It's he? a hell of a story, and so is Bob Johnson. You know, it's a great day for hockey, the uh, Badger Bob. So yeah. uh, I'm sure your listeners would find something in it they like. Well, we're hoping right now that uh, the USA Junior team can make Badger Bob uh, proud. They're in overtime right now as we speak. Woo-hoo! Seven minutes left, 3-3. So hopefully we can oh, get boy. that uh, USA-Canada gold medal game we all want. Listen, Spec, you have a good one. Keep up the great work. We'll talk to you down the line, eh? All right, man. Happy New Year. You too, my friend. That is Mark Spector of Sportsnet and the author of The Battle of Alberta, the historic rivalry between the Edmonton Oilers and Calgary Flames. Definitely check it out if you're a hardcore hockey fan. You'll enjoy it. We will be back, and we'll talk to another great writer and a good friend of the program, Mick Collagio of the New Bedford Standard Times, as we remember 
Milt Schmidt here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for the right time with Bomani Jones, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Being a head coach is the dream of every assistant in the NFL. Head coaches are the ones who get the Gatorade dumped on their heads and carried off on players' shoulders, not to mention the money. But the problem is fighting head coaching jobs where those things are possible to achieve. There are only 32 spots, and the good ones are rarely open. Normally, there's a vacancy because of a lack of talent or some kind of organizational dysfunction. That's certainly the case with most of the openings this year. The hot coordinators might get multiple offers, but most of them aren't ideal. The talent is one thing, but front office concerns are probably a bigger deal. Either they're inept or they don't let coaches do their jobs. That's often the case when you see teams churn through head coaches year after year. There aren't a lot of jobs, so you can't blame a coach for jumping on the first offer. But in today's NFL, assistants would be wise to choose their next job carefully. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. It's getting to be the best part of the football season, and there's no better place to be than Buffalo Wild Wings. They do it all for you, and it doesn't stop at wall-to-wall TVs, limited-time menu, or countless beers on tap. No, they go the extra mile, and from now until it's tapped out, Lagunitas Fandom Ale. That's a limited-release beer, this citrus-infused, hoppy, pale wheat ale that won't last long. Yeah, I've said there's no place to be, but that's because it's true. It's Buffalo Wild Wings, Wings, Beer, Sports. Please drink responsibly. Dollar Shave Club delivers amazing, affordable razors every month. But what about shower stuff? Well, they have that, too, with a new line of products called Wanderer. I use the body wash and the shampoo. When you're in the club, you'll see all their products and how they work amazingly. No hidden fees. You cancel whenever you want. They're giving away a one-month trial of any of their razors for a dollar with free shipping. After that, it's just a couple of bucks a month. So check out the new line of products from the great folks at Dollar Shave Club. DollarShaveClub.com slash Patrick. DollarShaveClub.com. Map out and adventure your whole family. Will always remember Disney on Ice presents Passport to Adventure. Journey across the African plains with Simba, Timon, and Pumbaa. Fly off to Neverland with Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. Explore the underwater world of Ariel, Flounder, and Sebastian. And trek through Arendelle with Anna, Elsa, and Olaf from Disney's Frozen. The journey begins in your hometown. Playing January 26th through 29th at SNHU Arena in Manchester. Tickets are on sale now. Visit DisneyOnIce.com today. Are you going through a rough patch right now and could use some help from professionals? Are you unsure of how to proceed and could use a guiding hand? Well, then let the attorneys at Dehar Law Firm make life easier for you. At Dehar Law Firm, they handle a wide variety of cases, anything from bankruptcy or divorce to estate planning and personal injury. Contact Eleanor Dehar at 603-622-6595 or visit Dehar.com for more information. Dehar Law Firm, serving individuals and businesses in New Hampshire since 1958. 
Every big sports moment can be heard right here on ESPN New Hampshire. Classic a shot. Down in front, picked up by Crosby. Lobbed down the ice. And the Pittsburgh Penguins have won the Stanley Cup. Flips to take it. Three for the win. It's good. It's the three to win the National Championship. Steps back, puts up a three. Won't go. Final seconds. It's over. It's over. Cleveland is a city of champions. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. We've got it all here. This is ESPN New Hampshire. Outdoor Almanac, brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Games Wildlife Journal. You probably knew that several hunting seasons were going on in the fall. But what you may not know is that trapping season also began in October and runs through March, with most activity occurring between November and December. You mention the word trapping and various images come to mind. Some are accurate, some are emotionally based and decades old. The truth is that skilled trappers provide the state with important ecological and societal benefits at no cost. This part of our cultural heritage prevents flooding damage by beavers, minimizes disease risks like rabies and canine distemper, and provides tools for wildlife management. And because trapping is highly regulated, it doesn't cause species to become threatened nor extinct. So don't just take someone's word for it. Learn more about trapping in New Hampshire at HuntNH.com. Outdoor Almanac is brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Games Wildlife Journal, the magazine for people with outside interests. If you or a loved one has sleep apnea, you can help advance research that may lead to a cure. Every day, researchers are working to help patients, but they need more information from people like you. MyApnea.org is an online community where providers, researchers, families, and patients can share and learn from each other. When you join the community, you'll connect to new information, researchers, doctors, and tools to help you wake up to a better future. Fill out the online survey at MyApnea.org, a public service from the American Sleep Apnea Association. Don't want to call? Just text the show on our new text line, 845-827-1250. Hey, welcome back to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, Justin Sullivan, working aboard. Look, USA Canada tied 3 3, three minutes left in overtime, semifinals, World Juniors. We're going to go right to it right here on NHL Network right now, and then we'll come back and talk to Mick Collagio. Here you go. Terry to the high slot. Alms to play down. Leading along the boards. Charlie McAvoy now takes over. In for the blue line. McAvoy behind the goal. Wants the backhand try. Knocked away by the stick in front. The defensive play for Trennan, the six foot three forward. 235 to go in overtime. Anderson takes a look at the scoreboard. Out of Charlie McAvoy. Buck controlled here from the Americans. McAvoy flicks it on goal, shrugged away by Samsonov on that rising shot. All the way back to the top, Troy Terry. Terry on the interchange, dropped it off. Anderson was parked in front. McAvoy trying to keep it in the zone. Chopped at it. The intercept by Kaprizov. Out comes Borobiev. Kaprizov in over the line. Darts toward the middle. Borobiev. Behind the back pass. Kudako. Feet across. Sergachev. This shot was blocked by Jones. Hard check by Anderson. Took his man down. Kaprizov trying to win a battle. But it's cleared right up the middle of the ice sheet. It'll go all the way down. Wide of Samsonov. Icing called against the U.S. 152 to go in OT. They're going to need a timeout. They, they are... Yes, and they're all skating to the bench. If, if the coach doesn't call a timeout, the players are going to. Look at this hit by Joey Anderson. I thought you made a really good point earlier today in the comparison of who he reminds you of as an NHL player, and you brought up Chris Draper. I thought that was a really good analogy. 
strong physical player playing on the top line at the University of Minnesota Duluth with Dom Toninato and Alex Iafolo, and he has been really good for him and the U.S. has called timeout. Yeah, we were talking with Grant Patalny prior to the game. Joey Anderson's definitely one of those guys who can do a little bit of everything, brings the energy, but also has the skill. Another comparable might be Ryan Callahan, Tampa Bay Lightning. Joey Anderson, when he was looking at schools, he and Lindgren are pretty good buddies. And I know Lindgren was kind of getting on him, but hey, Gophers, Gophers, what do you think? But Anderson wanted to play for the University of Minnesota Duluth. Brothers going there next year. Just played on that World Junior A team and is now with the Waterloo Blackhawks playing for P.K. O'Hanley. And Anderson has been good today and a big physical hit. Got Troy Terry there, Anaheim Ducks draft choice. He's on the assignment. On this face-off, one by the rush. Kalunin couldn't pull the trigger on the shot. Anderson takes over. Behind the net for Caleb Jones. Leaving for McAvoy. All kinds of ice time for Charlie McAvoy here in OT. Barely left the ice. Here comes Voronkov from the neutral zone. Flicks it on goal. Stick saved by Parsons. Cunning takes over now. The final 90 seconds of OT. If we remain tied, it's a five-round shootout. McAvoy, the pass for Brocco. Unable to track it down. Icing called against Team USA. The face-up back in the Tyler Parsons zone. Now, referees are signaling some. Oh, I think they think the U.S. tried to make a change as that was happening, so getting the personnel back on. But even still, it's still buying them a couple of seconds. Buck passes through everybody, so there's no icing. And the U.S. with a very deliberate return back to their own zone. I'm surprised that the Russians aren't trying to push the pace here to get this puck dropped a little quicker. And if you're the U.S., you want to buy some extra time, you put the wrong guy in a face-off, have him cheat, get himself thrown out, but kind of pretty good in the dot. Against Kvartilov, and Cunnan wins it cleanly. Skated away from the fray by Caleb Jones. Cunnan starts the march ahead. Goes back now, leaves it for Bracco. McAvoy and Jones, two ice-time leaders for Team USA. And Cunnan at the top of that list among forwards. Bracco through center. Great skating ability. Jeremy Bracco opens up, takes it behind the goal. Circles, looking. Angle to the top. Joe Sacconi's there. Sacconi down the boards. Behind the net for Cunnan. Stick check by Gurionov. Gurionov one hands it along. Nice play. And Team Russia emerges with 45 to go in overtime. Long lead pass behind Gurionov. And that's an icing call against Team Russia. Good hustle there for Casey Fitzgerald. That hybrid icing creates a lot of real good races for loose pucks. And Larry Bracken is going to call a timeout because he's had a bunch of guys on the ice for a good chunk of time. Offensive zone face-off for the United States. And it'll be, looks like, on the right dot. Four-on-four, four, you've got some different options than you do five-on-five. Five. Obviously, with the five-on-five five setup in this situation, you want to maybe pull it back, go D to D and bomb one because you've got some support. Four-on-four, four, you don't necessarily have that. You don't want to put a player on the boards on the side of the ice where you're taking a face-off because that removes him from some involvement in the play. So I wonder if the U.S. takes a left-handed face-off man here so that they can pull the puck out towards more the middle of the ice and the defenseman that will be standing at center point. Timeout comes to an end. What a hockey game this has been. This rivalry continuing. 19th matchup all-time in the World Juniors, 8th all-time in the medal round. Team Russia, 7-0. The Americans trying to end 
that trend and also his three-year losing streak in the playoff round against the Russians. White's taking the draws to right. Let's see if he taps ahead. Nope. Try to go to the boards. Russians control. Sidorov all the way around. Gurionov's going to have to get there first. Icing washed out. Dennis Gurionov, two goals in the game. Canceled out behind the goal by Caleb Jones. 30 seconds to go in overtime. Charlie McAvoy smoothly skates through center ice. Now three on three. In. Almost got it over to the forehand. Lost an edge. The quick up now. Bounces away from Kaprizov. That'll be another icing call against Team Russia with 18.1 seconds left. It's a good break for the U.S. because McAvoy, the defenseman, went to the front of the net. And after the play busted, was on the ice, and there's no way he was going to get back in the play coming off of a long and intense shift. McAvoy has been terrific in today's game. He has been real good in the little things areas. Little passes, block shots, physical play, carrying the puck. It's going to be Jack Roslevic on this faceoff. Terry's in the slot. Fitzgerald and Jones, the defenders. There's another tap ahead possibility. The scramble. Troy Terry's got it in the corner. Drops down low. Checked, knocked off the puck and down to the ice by Mikhail Sergachev. Out comes Kaprizov. Couldn't grab it cleanly. Sergachev takes over. Montreal first round pick playing here at the Bell Center. Flings it out to center ice. It's cut off, but the time is going to expire. We are going to. And that is USA Russia right now headed to the shootout in the semifinals. For the rights to play for the gold medal in the World Junior Championships up in Montreal, they will. the winner of this will face the winner of Canada-Sweden, who plays later tonight. Both games are taking place in the Bell Center. We had to give you that. It's just, uh, we're watching this, trying to do a show. <laughs> There's no way to do a show. Yeah, this, this has right been now. like, I, I mean, you know, from getting the call of Milt Schmidt walking in here uh, to adding a guest. and What a day. Yeah, <laughs> and, and then watching this, I mean... Hey, if you didn't know our show was uh, very hockey-centric, you do now. That's what we're about. But listen, what a game going on up there. We wanted to maybe hopefully give you the winning goal in overtime, but unfortunately we can't. They are headed to a shootout. Get home, put it on NHL Network, turn, up, turn the TV down and listen to our final segment with Mick Collagio and New Bedford Standard Times come up next. Plenty of Milt Schmidt talk there as we remember the Bruins great who passed away today at age 98. Stay with us. The Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire will be back. The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Weekdays from 3 to 6 right here on ESPN New Hampshire. Looking for a stylish place to call home? Then you need to check out the brand new apartment homes in Lowell at 24 Merrimack Street. The apartments at 24 Merrimack Street are located in historic downtown Lowell and offer unique apartment living within an historic 19th century building. Residents enjoy brand new interiors and unparalleled lifestyle amenities. Just moments from downtown Lowell's boutique shops, cafes, and entertainment. For more information, please visit 24MerrimackStreet.com. Again, that's 24MerrimackStreet.com. 
With six New Hampshire locations, Apple Therapy's comprehensive orthopedic rehabilitation clinics offer convenient access to a wide variety of services. Apple Therapy uses the latest technology and treatment techniques such as trigger point dry needling, active release techniques, running gate video analysis, and Graston technique. Plus, they are networked to most providers in all insurance companies. Apple Therapy is located in Amherst, Bedford, Manchester, Nashua, Londonderry, and Executive Health Club. For more information and access to their video library, visit AppleTherapy.com. In southern New Hampshire, there's only one choice when it comes to the best in orthopedic care. New Hampshire Orthopedic Center has been providing award-winning treatment for all orthopedic conditions for over 40 years. Chances are one of our physicians has helped someone you know get back in motion. Voted best orthopedic office by union leader three years running. Voted top doctors 30 times by peers in New Hampshire magazine. Tell your primary care physician you'd like to see a specialist at New Hampshire Orthopedic Center. We keep bodies in motion. Visit NHOC.com for more information. Stress. It can make your heart race, your head pound, and your stomach churn. While a little stress can be a good thing and even help you perform under pressure, too much stress can be bad for your health, causing headaches, stomach pain, trouble sleeping, and even a weakened immune system. In the United States, it's estimated that up to 90% of visits to primary care doctors are due to stress-related health problems. It's hard to avoid stress altogether, but there are steps you can take to manage it. During National Stress Awareness Month in April, visit Optum.com stress for more information about how to prevent stress from getting the better of you, including stress first aid techniques you can do in the moment when you're feeling stressed, and stress prevention techniques to help change the way you approach and think about certain situations. To learn more, visit Optum.com stress. That's O-P-T-U-M dot stress. A public service message from this station. Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, we have served our nation as a force in readiness. From combat operations to humanitarian assistance in every corner of the world. No matter where the mission takes us today, or wherever our country needs us tomorrow, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation, for us all, the few, the proud, the Marines. Listening to the Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for the right time with Bomani Jones, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. If I ever leave this world alive, I'll thank you for the things you did in my life. If I ever leave this world alive, I'll come back down and sit beside your feet tonight. Wherever I am, you'll always be more than just a memory. If I ever leave this world alive.
that you feel will soon subside. So in a word, don't shed a tear. I'll be here when it all gets weird. If I ever leave this world alive. And welcome back to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. Jimmy Murphy, your host here. And we're a little distracted. <laughs> Just a little. Tad USA, distracted. Russia in the semifinals in the fifth round of the shootout. They're disputing now whether Russia, I mean, whether USA uh, tied it or not. And they are now it looks like they're going to count it and they yes. are going. Here comes Russia to try and take the lead. Unreal game right now, but we want to welcome on, and we appreciate him waiting, our next guest, Mick Collagio of the New Bedford Standard Times. And, uh, you know, we were originally probably going to talk about Claude Julian, the Bruins, and what they got to do to improve and score, but uh, a little bigger story happened when it comes to the Boston Bruins today. Uh, And, of course, Bruins legend Milt Schmidt passed away at the age of 98 earlier today, and we broke that to you right before this show, uh, just before 3 o'clock. And I know that... Milt, uh, that Mick, as I have, has been able to interview Milt uh, sometimes over the course of his journalism career. And uh, Mick, welcome aboard. And uh, you know what? I just want you to get right into it. Give us a memory of Milt Schmidt. Um, I had uh, at uh, Winter Classic 2010, um, the Bruins had a, a media day that day that the ice was uh, – you know, really in terrible shape, but it was about eight degrees outside. And um, uh, the Bruins were out there in mass and, you know, the alumni. And and uh, when I walked into Fenway, uh, Milt was uh, uh, practically had icicles dropping off of his nose from how cold it was as he was being led up to the uh, Red Sox clubhouse up the stands. Uh, and uh, And yet the guy... Does not let his own inconvenience, uh, personal suffering, or anything stop him from being the most gracious, greatest guy ever uh, in that situation. And uh, I was thrilled to uh, uh, be able to uh, introduce a longtime season ticket holder to him that day. And and um, and you know, and Milt was Milt was on his A game because Milt always has his A game. Uh, just a wonderful human being, um, a great ambassador for the game of hockey. Um, everything that was that's been great about uh, about you know 
our, our past and the game's past and the, the franchise's past, uh, this is a terrible blow. And it was expected. It was inevitable. When he appeared with Bobby Orr uh, right before the Bruins' home opener this season, um, it was you know it was easy to tell that this was his last appearance, even though he was in really good humor and entertained a pack, a room full of packed media. Um, it was great conversing with him, uh, but knowing that that was the last time he would make a public appearance, just because you know it was uh, physically uh, a decline for him, and and uh, at that age. Uh, this day was coming. I we obviously didn't know when, but um, but the day it comes, it's tough. You hate to you hate to you hate to see this guy go. You know, it means so much to this to this team, to everybody who's ever ever pulled on a Bruins sweater, hoping to be a member of the Bruins someday. Um, might as well have Mel Schmidt's face on it. Yeah, you know it's. As you say this, you know I, I've I've got <laughs> mixed emotions going right now. I'm I'm definitely you know sad and over Milton and like you said, anyone that's crossed paths with him has to be feeling some sadness right now. And right as you're describing uh, those encounters, USA just did beat Russia in the shootout. Uh, so congratulations to them. Yeah, the game get decided. Game that big get decided on a shootout, and Milchnet passes away. Yeah. No, no, no disrespect to Anton Hudobin, but but this is a these two things, that's, that's, those, those are two things about hockey that I don't like today. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's, a, that's, a great, that's a great one right there. I mean, and I, you're right, I don't either. I, I've always said that. I go back to uh, the 94 World Cup when that Colombian player was shot because they lost in a shootout. You know, I mean, no, nothing of that magnitude should be decided one-on-one in a team sport. It is a team sport for a reason, and it should stay that way in its most important moments. I completely agree with you, Mick. Uh, one thing, you know, we're, we're pretty short on time right now, but we can talk a, a little more about Milt. You know, I saw a, a saying here, and I'm not sure. I, I forget the name, the first name of the player. Uh, Story? Who's the guy I'm thinking of? Mick, if you can tell me, help me out. Last name Story, famous hockey player way back in the day. Was it Fred Story? Um, uh, you know what? I I'm not going to help you out there. Okay, it's a foggy brain today. Well, I I was glancing over all the stuff on Twitter and Facebook about Milt Schmidt, and there was a quote, and I didn't see the fellow's first name that said it, but about Milt Schmidt, he said, "You give me five Milt Schmidts, we can put your grandmother in that, and we'll win." <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the best right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm a proponent of that argument. Uh, you know, and you say who the, who are the great players of this game, and the older I get, the more I realize how futile it is to rank things. But you know, I, I you know, I go, I, I'm a card carrying Bobby Orr member, but uh, I, I also <laughs> asked um, Orr uh, that night. Would you say that Milt Schmidt is the greatest? Boy? I remember we we played and, that earlier in the show, Mick. We played you asking yeah. that question. That's great because because uh, Orr did not hesitate. He yeah. said, "I would go with that." And he turned to Milt. He said, "With you, Milty, is the greatest brewer ever." <laughs> great. And you know what? As we let you go, I think you can agree too. He was a greater person. You know. Yeah. Yeah, big part of how he was a great throwing. Big part of it. Yeah, and uh, we thank him for his service as well. I mean, the fact that he was to go over there, like we said, in the prime of his career, and then come back and play at the level he did 
is something we'll never see the likes of again. Mick, we thank you. We're sorry it was shortened today, but we'll definitely get you on again soon to talk some Bruins. And uh, thanks for your memories there. We appreciate it. I got to speak about milk today on publicly. To me, that's great. Thanks, Murph. All right. And uh, as we go today, well, <laughs> I'm getting a little broken up. We'll send it out to Milt Schmidt. Thank you for all you did for, for the Boston Bruins, for this hockey community, for the people you cross paths with, and for our freedom. We'll never forget you. Rest in peace, Milt Schmidt. Glass and drink a health whatever befalls. Then gently rise and softly call. Good night and joy be to you all. Of all the comrades that it I had, they're sorry for my going. And all the sweethearts that e'er I had They'd wish me one more day to stay But since it fell into my lot That I should rise and you should not I'll gently rise and softly call Good night and joy be to Oh!